Hello, Hillside. My name is Stephen Weissong, and I am so happy to welcome all of you to our Church at Home experience here at Hillside. We realize that some of you might have discovered Hillside from our online presence, and we are so excited that you're tuning in. We would encourage you to find some different ways to get connected with our church family. So what you can do in the description on this video or if you're listening to our podcast, you can click a link and go to our Getting Connected page on our Hillside website. We also encourage you to check in using the Church Center app. All you have to do is go onto the Church Center app on the bottom bar, click check in, and you can check you and your family in from the app right there. We encourage you to do this because we just want to know who's watching and stay in touch with as many of you as possible. The other thing we encourage you to do is to give. And at Hillside, we have three different ways that you can give to the church. One, you can give through the Church Center app. It's super easy. You can also give by going to the Hillside website. And lastly, you can give by sending a check to the mail, from the mail to Hillside Covenant Church offices. Well, we are so excited you're here to be part of our worship experience.
Oh
Now it's time for some community updates. And we've got some awesome things happening at Hillside that we think you should know about so you can get plugged in and engaged with our community. The first thing is we are going to be doing a movie discussion around the movie Just Mercy. It's based on a true story. It is available through June 30th. So stream for free on platforms like Apple TV or Amazon Prime, even on Google, I believe. I'm not much of a Google person. <laughs> we are going to be having a Zoom discussion talking about the movie on July 1st. You can register for that discussion with our Church Center app. The next thing is on July 8th, Dr. David Nystrom, he's going to be hosting for the third time with Hillside a class, and this class is going to be around the life of Jesus. There's a suggested donation of $25. If you are interested in jumping in with Dr. Nystrom, you can contact Pastor Jeannie Trees for more information and to register. Also, we're going to be hosting a book club around the book White Fragility. It is the number one selling book in America right now and offers an interesting and unique perspective on the white culture. And if you are interested in getting into that book discussion, that's starting July 20th, and you can register for that on the Church Center app as well. Something exciting we're doing at Hillside is our Sunday evening gatherings starting at 7 p.m. And guess what? We're doing that tonight. If you are interested in going to the Sunday evening gathering, you can register for that on the Church Center app tonight before it begins. We would really love for you to RSVP so we can make sure we're social distancing and making sure we're all safe and enjoying each other at that gathering. The last thing is we want to celebrate with Brad and Marielle Sargentson as they welcomed in their daughter, Ava Joy, to the world. If you know Brad and Marielle, you know they are awesome people, and we would just like for you to congratulate them. I know as a church family, we are celebrating the birth of their daughter. Well, now I'm going to kick it over to Cheryl, and she's going to tell you all about Virtual Kids Camp. Peace. Hello, Hillside. Do you like my new detective's hat? We have just finished an awesome week of Virtual Bible Kids Camp the first ever for Hillside. And while we really miss seeing the kids in person, God showed up and we were delighted for the ways that we were able to spend time with kids and with God in this new format. Thank you so much for allowing us this time with your kids. We had a fantastic time. Daniel, to you. Hey kids, thanks for asking the big questions. We can talk to God and each other about anything. Thanks for asking questions, you know I have them too. When we ask together, we'll learn something new. Who knows what happens next? Or what's around the bend, but God's with you, and I'm here too. So as you go love others, hope that one thing sticks. I love you, God does too.
32, 1 through 6, and 19 through 21. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow, Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf the people had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to a powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. He said to Aaron, What did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Oh, ah. 
the love that meets us in the morning. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. Your love that comes and lifts us up when we're down. Your love that encourages us, that tells us that we are your sons and daughters. Lord, your love that reached out to us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. We say thank you for this love. So God, today as we sit and listen to your servant Jane as she speaks to us, God, let your word come out with power and strength and touch our hearts. I'll just use her, pray that you strengthen her, speak through her, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hi, my friends. Well, change of preacher this week and a change of pace. You know, I've been enjoying um, these little staying connected videos that we've been putting out, the staff, um, just ways of little, giving little messages and updates. And it's been kind of fun. So when Jonathan asked if I could preach, I said, well, sure, if everybody's okay with a five minute sermon. So, well, I, I digged it a little bit deeper this time. So I think maybe I'll go a little bit longer than five minutes. I hope you're okay with that. I'd like to go back to our scripture that we heard read earlier this morning from Exodus 32. As we heard, the Israelites got impatient waiting for Moses to come down from the mountain. And after 40 days, I can't say that I blame them. So they go to Aaron, Moses' brother and right-hand man, and they vent their frustration. And I think it's interesting that they didn't say something like, let's pack up and head out. But rather they said, in fact, they begged Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. They still had much to learn about Yahweh, the God of Israel, but they knew they needed something or someone greater than they were in order to get them out of the desert and into the promised land. And Aaron knew the same thing. He fashioned a God. He made a golden calf. And he also built an altar and declared a festival and ordered some burnt offerings. So he too um, knew that they needed supernatural help. Now in hindsight, it's easy to condemn Aaron and the Israelites, um, but they were desperate. They didn't think Moses was coming back. They had to do something. And remember, they themselves did not yet have a personal um, access to our God, to Yahweh. So they did what they could. They created a God, a golden calf, an idol. They worshiped it in the only way they knew how. Then Moses came down from the mountain and just ripped into Aaron and these wayward people. He actually made them eat their golden calf. And then he was further enraged when Aaron said this. He said, I just threw the gold into the fire and out came this calf. He really said that in verse 24. <laughs> I love that. Moses was definitely not buying it. So he gathered the Levites. This is in a few verses after this. He gathered the Levites, the tribe that would become the religious leaders um, of, the, of the Israelites. And he ordered them to go through the camp, killing brother, friend, and neighbor with their swords. And we find out in verse 28 that um, over 3,000 people were killed that day. So <clears throat> why do I feel drawn to preach on this pretty grim story? 
Well, as you may know, I'm Hillside's care pastor, and I feel that the main part of my ministry is to make sure that no Hillsider goes through a serious life difficulty alone. It's a beautiful goal, and I'm sorry to say that we'll probably never meet it 100% of the time. But as an aside, not part of the sermon, just as an aside, if you or if someone you know is going through a difficult time and could use some support, please let me know. All right, back to the sermon. Anyway, a couple of weeks ago, I was confounded once again with a frustration of mine, and that is, um, and it happens to people of faith fairly often, and that is this, at the very hardest times of life, it seems we can't feel the presence of God. We're struggling, we're crying out for assurance that God is with us, and not, I might add, theological assurance. I think most Christians know the theology. They understand that God is with us. God will always be with us. God will never forsake us or leave us. So we know this to be true, and to some extent, knowing it is enough. I remember my friend Cheryl saying on more than one occasion when God seemed absent, I know what I know. And I've always loved that because it just it hangs on to what we have know and what we believe, even when we don't feel it. So um, these times can be great tests for our faith and it can strengthen our faith. But um, Lord, you know we are but dust and sometimes we need more. It's true that sometimes we get assurance of God's presence through people showing up at just the right time and something might happen that we know, absolutely know, is from God. And that can get us through a dark time. But sometimes the dark time goes on and we need to experience God's love and God's presence emotionally, spiritually, and I would even add physically. We're a physical people and God knows this. So I'm not talking about all of us and all the time, but certainly this need to feel God's presence is real and it happens to most of us some of the time. Those times when we ask, where are you, God? And this brings me back to Moses' brother, Aaron. I'm pretty sure that at some point during those 40 days, he cried out, where are you, God? Or more likely, he said, where are you, Moses? Since Aaron and the rest of the Israelites didn't have access to God the way Moses did. Moses was the intermediary at that time. I mean, really, Aaron could have used some assurance that he wasn't forgotten, that he wasn't being left alone with this unruly people. I was thinking maybe Moses could have sent Joshua down, you know, after a couple of weeks just to give him a progress report or a little encouragement, but no, that didn't happen. So that was Aaron's experience. Now Moses, on the other hand, well, he pretty much walked into God's full-on presence whenever. Starting with the burning bush in Exodus 3, he continued meeting with God um, in cloud, in the smoke, in the tent of meeting, um, pretty much any time. So he enjoyed God's presence to the point that 
His face shone so brightly that he had to cover it when he came out to the people. Not poor Aaron, not as far as we know. And, may I ask, not us? Well, let's examine that. It's true that Moses had a unique role in the story of salvation, but I also believe that it's true that God loves for us to experience his presence. We may not get knocked to the ground like Paul did or have a wild dream like Peter did, but we know that Christian mystics who focused on this did experience the presence of God. We see that in their writings. And so did some who were not so mystical, like Brother Lawrence. He actually experienced God's presence while he was doing the dishes. So how might we go about this? The first thing and the most important thing, I think, to say is that feeling God's presence is a grace, a gift. And it is sometimes granted and it is sometimes not. We know that um, many people, even today, experience this dark night of the soul when God seems utterly absent. And we are very grateful that that is not the norm. So, first of all, experiencing God's presence is a gift. The second most important thing to know, I think, is that we can do something to help ourselves receive that gift when it is granted. Now, I'm talking about those times in our life when our prayers consist largely of help, um, or where are you? Times when fasting is probably not going to happen because chocolate chip cookies and popcorn are the only thing holding us together. Um, but we're still desperate to feel God's presence and love. So the first thing we can do is simply ask God for the grace, the gift of feeling his presence, experiencing, knowing he's there. And then we proceed on the assumption that God wants to grant that request. But understand that there is often something in the way of us receiving that, something blocking our ability to receive the gift. And that, I believe, is our inability to be still inside. God has graciously told us um, what to do in order to know him. In Psalm 46.10, it famously says, Be still and know that I am God. But while we can sometimes still our body, um, we struggle to still our mind, to quiet our thoughts, to hear God's gentle whisper like Elijah did. I confess that I am totally baffled that we don't make learning how to do this a priority in the church. The world has embraced mindfulness and meditation, and the ancient church actually invented these practices. But I'm not an expert, and I'm not here to teach spiritual practices. I just want to help us wrestle our, wrestle our way out of the darkness before we, we ourselves start building an idol. So, and I have learned two things that I think, um, that I know have helped me and that I think could help you. So let me share those. First of all, we need to understand that the mind, our mind, is a wild thing 
full of thoughts and emotions, full of anxieties and hopes and worries and all manner of things. So our mind is wonderfully made to hold all those things, but it is not made to be still. For that, we need to be able to ignore our mind and its all-powerful busyness. That's what it means to be still. So when we learn how to ignore the mind or just observe it from a distance, we enter this wonderful place called conscious awareness. Another way of saying is it, it is that we become keenly aware of the very present moment and nothing else. An image might be helpful here if this is an idea that's new to you. Um, picture a little circle with um, that's just chock full of thoughts and emotions and all kinds of stuff. And um, it's got theologies in there, knowledge is in there, also our anxieties and our worries and all those things. This circle is our mind. Now picture a larger circle around that one um, and this larger circle that's not filled with all those things is our conscious awareness. And I think it is in this larger expanse that was where God meets, meets us. This is where we can feel God's presence because this is where we are still. So to sum it up, this first thing I wanted to share with you is that the mind is often our obstacle in experiencing the presence of God. So how do we deal with that obstacle? And this leads me to the second thing that I've learned. And the second thing is this, um, it's easier to ignore the mind when you're exhausted. So I don't have any studies to support that, but if you think about it, I'm guessing you have experienced this also. So think of the things your friends suggest when they are trying to help you conquer your anxiety or to get out of a funk or to manage your grief. Um, probably three of the most common are to get outside in nature, to walk, to breathe. That's a good one. Uh, another one is to read uh, scriptural prayers, scriptural assurances of God's love and faithfulness. And a, a third one that I'll mention is to write in your journal. Some people love that. Some people find it wonderfully helpful and others do not. Now, there are more, I'm sure, but you have probably tried some or all of these three, and you know that sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. So I want to add a suggestion to all of these that I think can make a big difference. And that is this. Do one of the, whatever, whatever one, do it and keep doing it until you feel different. However long that takes. And when I say different, I mean um, exhausted, or empty, or peaceful, or spent, or just done. Kind of like Elijah felt when he, uh, after he fled away from Jezebel. Just done. For example, here's one. Go outside and walk and breathe and listen and look at the sky and breathe some more and walk some more and just keep doing that until you notice that you feel different. Okay, here's another one. Um, get a good scripture prayer book, and I've got a couple of them right here. If, you, if you're interested, you can, um, you know, contact me and I'll get you more information about them. I'll put them up, right side up. 
Well, they're backwards. Oh well. Um, anyway, I'll let you know what what uh, what the names are and, and how to get them. So get a good scripture prayer book and read out loud and keep reading and praying these scriptures um, out loud until you start to feel different. Okay? Third one, grab your journal and start writing. Write it all down. Write your emotions or your lack of emotions, your fears, your complaints, um, your petitions, your anger, um, resentments, everything. Get it all down on paper and keep writing until you feel different. So I think when done like that, these practices have a very good chance of removing that obstacle that is in the way of our receiving the grace that God wants to give us. Especially if afterwards we then sit in the stillness created by our exhaustion. I'm sure you've all done this. Because a good cry will do it just as well. If it's a really good one. So what happens has happened is that we are moved out of the mire of our mind and um, into the space of our just conscious awareness. We're just here, okay? So now the point is that we are still inside where it counts. And in the stillness, there is room for God's presence to be felt, where we can feel ourselves being loved and comforted where we can hear that gentle whisper of God's voice. It was all there all along, but we couldn't reach it. Now we can. So for me, this is where the very best kind of prayer happens. And there are other ways to find this holy stillness, um, but this has, what worked for, has, what has worked for me. Now, if we don't find a way to experience the deep reassuring love of God, we ourselves run the risk of turning to something else because that's a big need. Um, we, we might turn to fashioning our own golden calf like the Israelites did. So the very, very, very good news is that the same God that Aaron and Moses served is now accessible to you and to me through the work of Jesus on the cross and the indwelling Holy Spirit. Of the two brothers, Moses and Aaron, one experienced God's presence intimately. The other did not. They didn't have a choice. That was the way it was, but we do have a choice. I want to encourage us to regularly seek to experience God's presence and not just when we're troubled, because it comes easier if you've been practicing at other times. And now I, I want to assure you that I'm a big fan of good theology. I love it. I think scripture-based knowledge of God is absolutely necessary. But so is the actual experience of God's presence. When words are unnecessary and even thoughts melt away, as we allow the Holy One to love us. Grace 
sense of wrong My sin washed away in your blood Too much to make sense of it all I know that your love breaks my fall A scandal of grace You died in my place So my soul Forever 
May you find stillness and the grace of God's loving presence. And may you shine with the love that God has for you. And may you radiate that love into the world that so badly needs it. Go with God, my friends.